This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Wow. Lesbian Miranda's a lot. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you don't say yes, I'll kill myself. This is New York. They have hotels, right? Hello, everyone. This is And Just Like That, The Writer's Room, the official companion podcast of And Just Like That from Max. I'm Michael Patrick King, writer, director, and executive producer of And Just Like That. And I'm here today with executive producer and writer Julie Rottenberg. Hi. Executive producer and writer Elisa Zaritsky. Hi. And supervising producer and writer Samantha Irby. Hello. Super duper. Super duper. <laughs> should be Sam's real title. And today we'll be discussing the writing of episode number 207, February 14th. Directed by Rye Russo Young. And if you haven't seen the episode yet, please turn us off and turn it on. You'll have a much better time as we go on and on about significant, important details that went through our heads while we were writing episode 207. The title of this episode is February 14th, which, of course, everybody knows is the date of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as Valentine's Day, if you are in a relationship or not in a relationship, it can be— It's hard not to know. It's a hard day to to stomach. And we really wanted to experience many levels of Valentine's Day in this episode. And when you have a show that has a majority of principal characters, you can literally spin the story wheel and decide who's going to be what. So the primary— cliffhanger story wheel that everybody's waiting for that stops on Aiden. The last episode ends with the cliffhanger, technical writing term, of (laughs) Carrie hitting send. And this episode, written by Samantha Irby, starts with Carrie opening her computer casually to just scan her emails and sees immediately that Aiden responded. And the first thing she does is what, Sam? Doesn't she slam the laptop shut? Yeah, she slams the laptop <laughs> shut. This, this is a game show now. <laughs> For 200? You know what? <laughs> she slams the laptop shut. She's nervous. She thinks, yeah. I don't want to know. And then she slowly, in your stage directions, let me remind you of your wonderfulness. She <laughs> yeah, looks please. around, then creepily opens the top and casually looks at it again. And you cut right into the coffee shop where she is telling Charlotte and Miranda that Aiden asked her out for dinner on Thursday, which triggers Charlotte in a good way into the (laughs) Cupid on steroid person that she is, Valentine's Day. And what does that mean? And this felt like such a throwback to... The good old days, Sex in the City, where everything seemed simpler back then. I think it is their archetypical behavior, Arch- points yes, of view, which is right. Charlotte, romantic, 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 Miranda, side-eye. Right. And especially mm-hmm. now, because Miranda's in, like, you could say, free fall. And this yeah, was also one of the few times in this season that we very deliberately just had the three girls, mm-hmm. the three original mm-hmm. girls, because otherwise it feels like you have to catch people up on the backstory yeah, of you Aiden. Have to explain and so who Aiden is, this felt very, why he's important. Yeah, classic, <laughs> classic 
over expert level. Samantha, speaking of that, why don't you explain who Aiden is and why he's important to you? Oh, mm. my God. Okay, Aiden. Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Pla- oh, played by John Corbett, who's just a big brick shit house of a man. He's so hot. <laughs> in the he, best way. in the original series, was Carrie's best boyfriend. He is the one who should have won. He's a Ooh, furniture these maker. These opinions are life, not the expressions of to all Sam the writers in the writing room. What, yes. How do I feel? Yes. Okay, I'm right. speaking only for myself. Aiden is so And a huge hot. chunk of he's America. Nice. <laughs> uh, he's so nice. He builds furniture with his hands. He and Carrie had such an insane chemistry. Like, it was like jumping off the screen like they just looked so good and perfect. (laughs) We should talk about our desire and our need to bring Aiden back. One of the first things Mm -hmm. that I said to everybody about season two is basically one word, Aiden, because I knew that there was a story there. I know there's, as Samantha said, incredible chemistry between John and Sarah Jessica, and those characters live on. And he's already had two manifestations on the show. There was the very first time that Julie Rottenberg was not a fan of. I'm going back in the day. Julie! Julie was oh, not this, a fan. Yeah. This is this is a, a recorded this part of history. might be on your tombstone. <laughs> on my tombstone, yeah. All right. I had, I had, it's, a, I, I have think to it was say day this again. One. Day I one. love John Corbett. I love. Oh yeah, that's like, not the question. It's story. Great, the character. Character. Aiden. I felt I did not want to bring him back. <laughs> and I have to say now, what's really important in a writing room, since this is the writing room, is different points of view. And Julie yes. wanted not to bring Aiden back, not because she had any bad feelings about the experience of us working with John, but she was worried about retrod turf and wanted to say, haven't we already done him? And she also, back in the day, didn't love, she wasn't really into the the styling of him. And so you made John, you you actually, Michael. Everything that Julie said. Gave him a, gave him a makeover. <laughs> we he gave John a back. makeover. Yeah. We, we cut his hair. We took the turquoise jewelry away. We told him we, he had to be rock hard when he came back. Because if because <laughs> if we were bringing. Michael's words. No, I, it's true. I, I said it just, to John. John knows that he was eating fried chicken when I told him. And he dropped the. <laughs> Michael. He dropped the fried chicken on the plate and I, fell down in the booth that we were sitting in and said, I knew that I was a fatty. <laughs> like, I mean, God, you know. And then he came back rock hard with short hair. But the reason is, it's not an aesthetic choice of come back differently because I thought he was perfection. It was a story choice. Mm -hmm. If we're bringing somebody back, we have to find some way to bring them back in a new way. So here we are now bringing Aiden back again. And we have tricks up our sleeves as to how he is new and what we can actually do with the storyline Considering, and it's a very big consider, all the water under the bridge, all the pain they've already been through, how much Carrie has hurt him in the past, according to fan boards. Right. And twice. How, and twice. How, twice. And how badly he took the breakup. So in order to wrestle all those realities and not throw them away— this would be the emotional equivalent of saying you we have to do something new with this mm-hmm. dynamic that we haven't done before. I just want to give Michael Patrick King That's props. Me. I mean, I don't know from other showrunners, but you might be among the few showrunners who actually clamp down on men to hit You're the right. gym and actually like 
put a little pressure on their appearance, which most women would say tends to fall into female well, Lapse. as they say, we flip the script on this you show. You do. I mean, if you look at the, go go right back to the opening montage in season two, the women are standing up, moving towards the bed. They're all forward motion. The men are in underwear waiting, <laughs> which is usually <laughs> in every other yeah. show you've ever seen. The man comes home from work. He walks in the door. He drops his briefcase right. and he goes and in she's and there's waiting. a nymphette in bed going, honey, I'm ready. <laughs> Well, now we have legs a nymphette. A nymphette, yeah. yeah. And now we have some male nymphettes. Yeah, very true. I, I, thank you for that. And I will say, in the discussion about bringing Aiden back for season two of And Just Like That, for me, it had to be about what would really happen. And I believe it. I think that's what happens when we're older especially after a tragedy like Carrie has mm-hmm. suffered, is, let's face it, you you have fewer and fewer really powerfully strong people in your life who have known you for a long time. So I believe yeah. that she would have reached out to him. And it yeah. would have never happened last year. There was never a thought in our minds as story writers last year that Aiden would ever show up with that very emotional story of Carrie and Big and losing Big. There was no way he would ever exist in and Carrie's I gotta mind. And I got to say, I think if Big hadn't died, I don't think she ever would have reached out to him again. I don't think she would have seen him again. Maybe she might have bumped into him again, like she did. Yeah, I think we'd be very disparate because we went out of our way to point out, and you'll find out more details about his life in the next episode. I won't do them here, Mm -hmm. but we went out of our way to say he's really not casually around. Right. Right. That's the thing is, like he, they weren't friends. I think what you're saying, they they wouldn't like cry. Hey, hey, what's up? Right. Yeah. Yeah, He's not that thing in Manhattan that happens all the time that we used to play with all the time in Sex and the City, which is like, there he is again. Mm -hmm. Right. I bumped into him on a corner. I ran from Steve at a bodega. I bumped into. I, which is real. Yeah. Which is real. <laughs> but it's not Aiden's world. I think Aiden was really beat up by New York. So here he is coming back. And the tone immediately should be different to people. Carrie's like, I want to go on a date with him right up front. Yeah. She's, she's right. not, she's not, she's not downplaying it. Again, she's like, right. I said yes to the date. I knew it was Valentine's Day. I want to see him. I want to have a date with mm-hmm. him. And Charlotte mm-hmm. has postured. He does have a girlfriend. If he's <laughs> he asking does. you out, he doesn't have a girlfriend. and he, he Or he doesn't know it's Valentine's Day. And Carrie says, I think he doesn't. I think, I think he, 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 does. he doesn't know, then therefore doesn't have a One girlfriend. One of my favorite moments in that little coffee shop sequence is... Miranda does one of her usual slams to Charlotte. Yo, stop. You know, uh, you're oh, you're going too far again. And Carrie, instead of just sort of laughing along, is like, no, no, no. Wait, yeah, you, let her you finish. stop. Let <laughs> which her is finish. the telltale. Which I love. She wants to hear yeah. what the is positive, the analysis. potentially yeah. romantic yeah, she wants moment. She's ready for board. it. Yeah. She, wants, well, she, she wants, wants the Charlotte take. Now, now <laughs> literally, we are only, this is a two-minute scene, and we've spent... 10 minutes already just talking about what went into it. And that's the truth. We Before you know how something, the tip of the iceberg, you have to create the iceberg. So underneath all of this, we have layered all this stuff. And of course, what goes next in the scene is Charlotte saying to Miranda, 
Any mm. special ladies that you're uh, right. seeing? <laughs> and Miranda says the, the shocking thing, what makes you think it's just ladies? Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So let's talk about Miranda's sexuality at this point. Samantha, where are we with, say, with, with Miranda? Like Samantha <laughs> area. I feel like... Miranda in this episode is still, I don't think when she got with Che, she ever did a deep, introspective, am I gay? What am I? What does this mean? What am I doing? And she still hasn't done that. I think in the beginning, she definitely thinks Che's like an anomaly, you know, that like I was attracted to the person and not the gender. That's an easy get out of jail free card <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is to say, well, it was this person right. I was going after, you not what was in about the their paper. pants. And mm-hmm. I think Miranda's still trying to figure it out. She's not yet fully divorced. She and Che, she doesn't know what that's going to be. I think she's in limbo. It's a she gray also, area. She yeah. also plays that Che is non-binary, so right. it's not a it's gay even more woman un- un- thing. It's a more undefinable, yeah. which is mm-hmm. really true for Miranda. And also opens up the door to confusion and comedy for us. Yeah. But the other important thing in this scene is, as Charlotte says, well, I suggest you figure it out. So you can find someone to be in love with or to, to love. Which is so Charlotte. And I've mm-hmm. known you for 25 years, she says. So I think it's a really interesting journey from the picnic scene in season one where Charlotte, mm, uh, yeah, written by you right. guys, where Charlotte is is pretty much demanding that Miranda declare. Like, declare, right. the, tell me what you are mm-hmm. and Help be it. who you yeah. were. right. Help me understand what the hell is going on. And holding up the old resume of you were married, you have to a guy, you need to maintain this or else tell me what to do. And here she is a year later saying- I feel like she has grown. She's like, okay, I I got the memo. You're something else. But she's just as I think Charlotte still needs whatever box box you're in. Mm -hmm. Yes, then let's do that. I want to talk first about, we said that Carrie's very forward movement Mm -hmm. until she isn't. And she has a moment of doubt with Mm. Seema, which is one of my favorite scenes ever. Because they go to a spa (laughs) and Seema's going to use one of her expensive gift cards that people have given her. We decided because that's what you give a realtor, Mm -hmm. like as a thank you. Or and me, if you ever want to give me <laughs> Julie Rottenberg a present, I enjoy a massage. So sorry, right, they will all, not go unused. Accepting all takers. But the, the the thing I love is Carrie has a moment of doubt, and she calls Seema, and Seema's going to massage it out of her. And they go to a spa, and it's on Valentine's Day, and it's couples only. 
And this to me, even though I've been in a relationship for 22 years, I can still touch so much inside me that couples only yeah. wound yeah. from being in a relationship for many, 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 many years before. So when Seema defends, yes. and the reason Seema is always in the show is I'm single and I have no love on Valentine's Day. And to have that lion walk into that spa and defend her rights. There's been a misunderstanding. We're only doing couples massages today because of the holiday. What holiday? Valentine's Day. And I repeat, what holiday? Last I looked, it was Thursday. Banks are open. Mail's being delivered. <laughs> well, it's just something nice we do on this day to celebrate couples. Why? Aren't they celebrated enough? Seema, I don't need a massage. You do. She does. I have a solution. Can you pretend to be a couple? I can't. I'm too busy pretending not to be outraged. I feel it's a perfect scene. I I want to... I love it. Remind the listeners, this is a Samantha Irby special. My favorite <laughs> thing is when she says, well, couldn't you just pretend to be a couple? And Seema says, I'm too busy pretending <laughs> not know. to be outraged. <laughs> I love that we put that in this episode. Like, it, it's not all lovey-dovey couple whatever. We still are like, you know, this is the Valentine's episode, but... Yeah, not well, everyone has... And Naya, and Naya we did single. Talk, and we did talk a lot about, you know, of course, we're leaning into the romance with Carrie and, and Aiden and, and Charlotte's idea, at least, of Valentine's Day. But, like, so many people we all know, uh, in, including myself, I, like, Valentine's Day is not, for me, a big... You don't think I don't it. really observe it very much. Well, because you could say... You're an unorthodox. I, well, no, I, I think I, if you're elapsed, in a couple, elapsed, we have all been life, for a yeah. while, you have the luxury of being like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. But when you're not, you feel the bombardment yes. of couple so ambush. It is, it is a crisis of confidence. Yeah. A, a Valentine's Day comes around. When you're broke, it's tax day. When you're single, it's Valentine's <laughs> it's Day. So yeah. Right. And actually, even if you're in a couple, all it does is create more. Then it's a bummer if you're Let not doing right. anything. Right. It's pressure. Or and do anything to observe it. I spent last Valentine's Day at the DMV, and I was like, this feels wrong. <laughs> it all feels wrong. Um, <laughs> but so Seema and Carrie, Seema's there, and, and basically Carrie points out in this scene that it's been 13 or 14 years since she's even seen Aiden, which is kind of shocking to think about the stunt we're about to pull off, which is John Corbin and <laughs> Sarah Jessica in a scene after 14 years of an absence. That never happens because no one plays a character for 25 years. Sarah Jessica <laughs> yeah. did. And then the other character that is work, we were very concerned about having a Valentine's Day story was Naya. Naya. Yeah. yeah. And we went round and round about what kind of Valentine's Day? I mean, I remember we spent days, days. on oh, And we threw yeah. many yeah. things out because and, the first yeah. thrust from the writing room perspective was it's her first Valentine's Day since her breakup with Andre Rashad. So the first gravitational pull, if we had a divining rod, was to pain. Right. Hellish. Right. She's going to have remember, a hellish Valentine's well, Day. Well, mm -hmm. remember there was a floated idea that should Andre Rashad send her flowers? flowers yeah. yeah. No. No, but then it was like Andre sends her. She thinks Andre sends her flowers, but she gets very emotionally attached and texted him. There was but then be, yeah. there 
were for somebody else in the building. I mean, and then she was going to get locked out of her apartment in a snowstorm. She was going to be at a bar at the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm personally very happy that we landed on uh, her having a meevening, which I just have to give my very dear friend Ari Carpell a shout out for an Introducing me to the word, the concept of a meevening many, many years ago. Everyone should have meevenings and know about that term because it's very useful. And And then it's evergreen. Even weavenings exist now, too, but oh. we'll digress. Sheevenings, even. <laughs> Leavenings, if you're in Ohio. You know what I mean? There's so many anyway. word puns you can well, do. And then the full circle idea of maybe we don't punish her at all. Like, yes. I love that it just it didn't go badly. Her lava cake Right. Came out. Her souffle. Oh, sorry. doesn't fall. <laughs> it's just I'm delicious. Projecting it my and that favorite. Felt, that felt a little daring. Like, can she just have a, a happy lovely story. time? She and have a lovely time. You're waiting, you're very, waiting for something uh, yeah, to go wrong. I felt that felt very important. And economically, uh, when you have seven characters that you're trying to have a Valentine story with, they can't all have gigantic arcs. So mm-hmm. this perfect little evening, I'm making myself a souffle. Well, also, and then she does, and it's thrilling. I mean, except for Carrie, she has the best Valentine's Day. Yeah, you could argue. I would say mm-hmm. she has the better Valentine's Day because it's clear yep. from beginning it's to clean. middle yeah. to end mm-hmm. yeah. what she wants is what she And she, she got. achieves her goal. And right. also we wanted to show a peek into her life that she has good friends who would be worried about her who would have known her mm-hmm. all through her relationship with that Andre. She is a Carrie and she is a yes, Miranda she has she has her a own, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. We don't always see every week but yeah. that was important Yeah, yeah to it was us. important that um, Angelica and Susan named after Susan Fails Hill of course <laughs> uh, are on a Zoom so that you understand each of these characters has a bigger life. Like, we're talking to people in our minds whether you're seeing them or not. I'm sure Carrie talks to Samantha all the time. Right. Not Samantha Irby, Samantha Jones in London. You just don't see it. She could call me. (laughs) I'd talk to her. It's important to note that we always are trying to show more of these lives Mm -hmm. in even little impactful ways. And what we showed in Naya's world is that she has girlfriends like Charlotte's worried about Miranda and Carrie that worry about her being alone. For so, the first time, yeah. And then she does the evening to them and they're not buying and it. And they're jealous, actually. Right. <laughs> because they're, <laughs> they're married. They're with, stuck with their bad husbands. Yeah, they unfortunately have to eat with their husbands. And also the Naya story is fun because the bookstore getting a souffle, it's about her learning. She's always reading and teaching herself or teaching someone something. And in this scene, we find out Miranda's story starts, which is she's already looked online at many, many gay dating sites, and she's just looking at them, quite frankly, the way she used to look at not gay dating sites. Like, she's an alien in society. She doesn't know where she fits. Well, and this felt like an exciting moment because all of last season, she went from being married to Steve, who she'd been with for many, many years, then she was in this thing with Che. So this was really the first moment where she does have a clean slate. And that last revelation where she says, I realized if I were in my 30s, I would have stayed. Now I don't have to. Like this, this. Yeah. The bad date. With, what Mar- bad date. with Amelia Learned. Carsey, def- a pun close to Darcy, because <laughs> we're trying to do that Jane Austen uh, addiction that Miranda has under her brittle lawyer. She's still like an Austen head. 
And then that's happening everywhere. Jane Austen heads are everywhere. And so we we flew into the the emotion of Valentine's Day just to introduce this character played by Miriam Shore, who you know from many things. And also- Younger as well as um, the original Hedwig in The Angry Inch. And she was in The Americans. Yeah, she's um, amazing. Oh, oh she, yeah. <laughs> Americans alert. <laughs> Hello. Um, she also, this story in thinking about, well, how is it going to go wrong that- we, I feel like we've done, we didn't want to do bad sex. I think we thought about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we oh did. didn't we ever? We did. You're right. I'm not going to say it because maybe we'll use it one day. But um, <laughs> no, we're going to say it. Uh, uh, okay. At one point, she was going to be all talk, no action. She was going to be all romance. And then when she went down on Miranda, oh, she right. just bad at it. The most progressive thought we could have is that. Anyone can be bad in bed. Right. It doesn't matter how progressive, what your orientation is, how much you know everything. You can still be bad in bed. And it's, of -hmm. course, very Sex in the City, a surprise. Right. Because Miranda's completely surprised. She has projected. And we made such a point last season of showing this connection she had with Che, who says, I'm good at sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you can forgive Miranda for thinking that maybe— Maybe I, everyone is. I'm putting Miranda through a lot. And I, I, well, but yes, by design. Oh, you had to leave your couch? The desserts and the TV wasn't yeah, enough? Right. Welcome because to the underworld, the Greek myth. Yes. Now you must go through hell right. and forward mm-hmm. to come out to see what's on the other side. You took this mythic journey away from the home thing that you were unhappy with, and now pay you the happy. price. I, first of all, I feel like uh, Miguel, our production designer, needs a special shout out for building. Oh, my God. Building the <laughs> tiny, apartment. probably the most realistic New York <laughs> apartment uh, that you could ever see on television. So realistic that we kept saying to him, smaller. I mean. And you have to know it pained him to make I this mean, messy. It was perfection in my. I, I, th- I think our design team is really uh, unique in that they actually read the stage directions. And then it said in the tiny apartment. And we all lived in tiny apartments. And we just kept reinforcing tiny apartments. And there was a there was a preview not tiny enough, um, smaller, smaller. And how do you shoot a tiny apartment? The day <laughs> this was being shot, Lise, you were there, Michael. I think we were shooting on another. It was like one of these yes. days we had two units, which is we hopefully unusual, but it happens. And I just remember calling you, Lise, and I was like, is it is it gross? Is, is it small? Does it look real? Is, is, it, is, it, is it gross enough? And Lise was like, I think it is. You know, we, we as writer-producers, are the, I would say, the guardrails for the show to try to keep it in our consciousness and know when to to get to keep the show in what our consciousness was when we were thinking of it. And sometimes we let go and go, oh my God, that's such a better idea. Right. But a lot of times we have to say, this is the vibe. And when and we so we split up and cover different sets. And if I'm directing, Julie's there or she's at another place, Elisa's there. But the reality is when you get a call from Elisa that says, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it is so calm. It's it true. is hilarious. And that was well, great. I think what I love about where we landed, even though we spent so much time on the bad sex, in the bad sex arena, I love that ultimately what the scene is and what the story is, is this woman is just bad at 
seduction. It's like right. she didn't know what a you can't get to the sex because she didn't know what a date in her home should be. And I believe it was this was coming out of one of us had a date that was similar to this where there was great expectations, no pun intended. It was me. Yes. <laughs> there was a laundry situation where someone said to me, I've got to go right. get the sheets. Yeah. I'll be back. And I was left yes. in the apartment and it was like, talk about fright or flight. I was just like, fight? Just, is that in the mix? Or yeah. what is else is it's in the mix? Because so this is getting when weird. you're in someone's home. Well, and to be left alone, then you have the moment to think like, do I leave? Look at all and, that and is, this a, is this a bad time to say that it was actually Miriam Shore <laughs> that I was on a date with? <laughs> and that's why she's in the show? No, it was not. Which was even more shocking. It was a high-end gay man. So there you go. He, um, he cared so little the sheets were in the laundry. I yeah, mean, that is the kind of gem that that. I mean, talk about carrying it around. You carry it around. When something comic cream pie happens to you, it just rattles around. And then you go, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen to Miranda? What's the most. This episode has a lot. I was thinking this has a lot of direct from MPK's. Uh, Files? Life because the restaurant back to oh, Carrie yeah. the restaurant oh, yeah. confusion yeah, I want to talk with about that. Aiden uh, comes from yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll tell. Yes, uh, so do. when we were about to do and just like that season one, I wanted to talk to Chris Noth about it because I met everybody and said, well, "Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think?" He told me to meet him at a restaurant, and the actual locations that you see in the show are those two restaurants. I went to the bad Italian restaurant where I thought I was stood up and my phone died. And the address was just as it was on. The address was between. Ambiguous. And I was very anticipatory. So I saw the number and just went in because I was going to see Chris and they led me to the back, much like the matri does. And it was unglamorous. Sure. Excited. Really excited. But you're probably in a rush. I was I was not. I was right on time because I'm a Virgo, (laughs) which is why the laundry bothered me so much. (laughs) It stuck in my mind. Anyway, I went in and I the guy led me back into this bad area and I thought, oh I guess this is like where Chris likes to come, because the guy led me right to this table. This must be Chris's table. And it was a table for four, not two, but, and then my, fu- then he didn't show up. And then I gave him the actor 20, I'm going to, I'm going to say I gave him the star 20 minutes. Okay. Which is like, I'll give him and, 20 minutes because they're a star. And your sure. phone had died. My phone right? was dying. So and then I had to plug it in exactly like you see. And then I, it, comes to life and it makes our writing seem so less special because it actually happened to us or else it makes it legitimate as a farce because no, it really it happened. That it happened. And all of a sudden real, when, my, when my phone came back, there was a message from Chris, where are you? And I'm like, I'm here. Where, where are, are you? you? And he says, I'm in the red booth. <laughs> and I go outside and then I go next door into the most classy, the most gorgeous, the most, and he was like, I thought you stood me up. And I thought, I thought you got lost. <laughs> and then he was having champagne and caviar. And it was, to me, the, the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition yeah. was so weird that these two 
disparate restaurants would be right next to each other. And when we were looking mm-hmm. for a way to entice Reenact that. drama or make Carrie nervous, because she's always great when somebody doesn't come someplace, her birthday mm. at El, El Cantonore oh, yeah. when she was 35 and everybody mm-hmm. got, couldn't get there was so good to see her all dressed up. Right. And ready. The and then place. to have it not happen. And the lighting yes. in that restaurant was so bad. Awful. And the and the, <laughs> and the, best, and the, and the, the bus boy, the bus boy was the bus boy, the actor was so perfect. He chewed gum during his audition. And when I saw him on the day, I was like, Did you bring the gum? <laughs> he was like, Yes, I did. And I was like, Yeah. Because he's not like, you know, sometimes guest stars come on and they feel like I'm in a scene with Sarah Jessica Parker and you can somehow feel the importance of it. He was like, <laughs> did not yeah, care. You're yes. Carrie, and you're nobody to me. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so that happened. You're right. It was my life. Yeah. And then the other interesting storyline that we went back and forth and back and forth was LTW. Oh my God! And what was her oh, yeah. Valentine oh, yeah. story oh my God. going that to be? That was, pro- yeah, that was the biggest. That was the round biggest hurdle. Yeah, because yeah. we immediately felt the need to create tension between her and her husband because that was. Vacant, and we wanted to use a flavor we hadn't seen before, where it's not about them, but it's about not even the son, but the son's girlfriend. Whose Valentine is Herbert Jr.? Is he a mother son Valentine? Is he the new girlfriend? And it got to and how much of a villain is the new girlfriend? The North Star, the target, the one thought that we all knew was something was that that girl was in. LTW's closet. closet. So we just thought, how do we get her there? How do we get her there? Because we all knew it was funny to see the inappropriateness, not just the hand down the pants, which every mother would not enjoy in public, but the, the purse. boundary the crossing. Yes. Yes. And Ugh. it was very important in casting that we did not want a conniving, mustache-twirling girl. We wanted sort of an audacious, oblivious... Um, entitled. Yeah. Yes. Comfortably yeah, entitled. Yeah, the person who would walk into your closet. Yeah. And that he would be so enthralled with that he wouldn't think to stop her. And it's really it's fun as you write. As writers, you get to see these other characters come to life, which is Herbert Jr. And that mother-son thing, that the way they talk to each other is so good. And and, uh, and Chris Jackson as Herbert just sort of stuck in the middle, but they're all so good in that little vignette of the three of them. And also to see what LTW is like with a son who's, let's just say it, having sex and how that pushes her buttons and this uh, sort of possessiveness and also protectiveness. But I think the idea of a sexual uh, frontier with active sexually, you guys would know. Well— it's interesting. Thankfully, my kids are too young to. We haven't crossed Mine that will Rubicon. Never have sex. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's fun. <laughs> it was fun for us to think about. We've already seen last season. We got to see Miranda with a sexually active son mm. and her mm-hmm. kind of eye roll to the whole thing. Whereas a different mom with a teenage with a different teenage son. What's her? attitude, where are her boundaries? But the reality is this. The kids growing up changes. We had Lily lose her virginity, and we pick up this storyline with Charlotte coming home and saying Lily wants to have an F the boys dinner party. 
And it's one of my favorite line readings of Christians. She says, well, Blake broke up with her a week before Valentine's Day. And if she wants to have F the boys, then F us. Now, F I, us, she I think says. <laughs> this is a moment for Sam. This is another Sam specialty. This story was inspired <laughs> oh, by Oh, shit. Julie's Sam. taking no yeah. prisoners today. The <laughs> Sam, wasn't it your mm, friend or something? No, it was. Yeah, and my friend um, had special banana bread in her freezer uh, that was unlabeled. And her mom ate it and had never been high before. <laughs> and certainly wasn't uh, ready for the level of toxicity that we like to uh, consume. <laughs> uh, and she called an ambulance because she wasn't feeling right. And then uh, she was in the <laughs> hospital for a couple of days before Whoa. they figured out that she was just high. <laughs> when I heard that, I fell down laughing. I loved it so much. And we were yeah, like, I mean, that is going happening. so amazing. Yes. This is happening. But the oh. reality is the pot and Charlotte is really about the extreme comedy of Charlotte thinking she's having a stroke and Harry thinking he's losing the love of her life. We wanted to show an undying, like epic, Wuthering Heights experience. kind of, please yeah. don't leave me like ghost, yeah. where <laughs> Harry goes to the end of the earth to find his love, you know. Well, and also what a perfect way to bring Charlotte's whole storyline for the season to this apex of her having become so overly invested in her kids' "Quote unquote career as right. a model. As a model, Rock's career as a model. She becomes a momager. One of my favorite mm -hmm. scenes also is Charlotte telling that the person the at the desk, "We have appointments in Manhattan." Like, like, um, like it's like they're in Siberia because they're in <laughs> Queens or Brooklyn. And she's so <laughs> embarrassing to Rock. I find like the thing that makes my kids the angriest is. The fact that apparently I embarrass them left, right, and center. Are you Can haughty? you believe it? Are you, they don't like it when no, you're haughty. they don't even like if I, like, wave to a neighbor. <laughs> I don't like it like, when you're haughty either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like by breathing I'm bothering well, them. Well, Charlotte has a reason. I mean, we we made her uh, annoying so, that, so yes. that Rock could end this little story arc that we had. We mm -hmm. wanted Rock out, and we wanted Lily, Charlotte's good girl, to basically throw her out of the house. And as she's going, because she hasn't eaten all day, she grabs the brownie <laughs> that one of her friends made and eats it and then thinks she can feel, feel her, her blood. blood. <laughs> and then Harry overreacts and they put her in an ambulance and take her away. Also, all for the moment when Charlotte, as you said, has an overview of what her life has become and we get to step in and reclaim that job offer that I think I've heard the audience felt really bad about when she said no to Mark Kasabian. Mm. When she's, he offers you the job and she says, no, my kids need me more. I know for a fact people have said to me, I was so disappointed Charlotte didn't take that job. We were excited about showing what happens to, I think, many women who were, you know, probably alphas first in their class, very successful, driven. driven, ambitious women who have kids, then maybe step away from their job. And then all that energy is channeled into motherhood. And in this case, your child's uh, 
passions. And where does it go? It's like it 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 becomes what was the phrase? Driven to madness? No, mad perfect madness. Perfect madness. About- well, also when the audience is watching the episode before this, and Charlotte's out in the snow, getting Lily condoms, like you an can, insane person, you can either say that's <laughs> really good mothering, or you can say she needs to get a life. So in the <laughs> next, too much time on our in hands. the next episode, we have Charlotte recognize that maybe she needs to get a life. Honey, when I was in that ambulance, my life flashed in front of me. And I didn't like what I saw. I'm a momager for Rock, a maid for Lily, and and a pimp for Anthony. What happened? Where am I in all this? Honey, you're here. No. No, I'm not. I'm going to call Mark Kasavian, and I'm going to ask him if the job that he offered me at the gallery is still available. I have got to get back to me and it's not just the pot talking. So she's going to get a job, which was very important to this season. And the other thing about the Charlotte story that's so fun for us is not only is she just Rock's manager and Lily's maid, as she says, she's also <laughs> Anthony's pimp. Right. Which oh, brings up yes, a new please. character, which we uh, have been stewing and waiting for, which is Giuseppe. The Italian poet slash hung. <laughs> hung. Dreamboat. Dreamboat. Dream hung dreamboat. Yeah. Comically Sweet. hung dreamboat. Everything that you would put in front of Anthony that he almost mm-hmm. couldn't resist. And this is another example of where we will dream up something in the writer's room as we did many, many months ago. And sometimes you get really lucky and you find that that actor and sometimes you don't and in this case it was the perfect combination of sweet but strong confident authentic smart vulnerable believe that he's a poet he is italian he it was it was as if he was sprung from the head of Zeus. I want to you know, and you, speaks Italian like yeah. speaks Italian and well English. he has the background that the character that we dreamed up it, exactly one parent. Yes, you know he spent a lot of time there and in Rome. So you know you we write these prototype characters, this this dreamboat, and then you look at the auditions, and the first person who came up was Sebastiano Pagazzi. Pagazzi, and everything else that we thought the character would be, which was kind of, um, I think, a little bit more porn went out the window because all of a sudden there was like Prince Charming. Yes, you kept, I remember, Michael, you kept saying, well, that's Romeo. He's Romeo. He's Romeo. He's Romeo. He's Romeo. He's not, he's not a porn true. guy right. that's How funny. How disarm he, Anthony? He was Romeo, and that's why the line, you found Romeo in a card store, came up because he was almost a well-hung Disney prince in the reality <laughs> of, of, of what you see, and nobody else came close. I sometimes think there's only one actor for one part yes. when it's somebody like this. Yes. Why... Sebastiano is in the show is because Anthony, once again, it was time for a growth moment for for Anthony. And Mario Cantone can play a lot of different colors. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to give him, and just like that, he has a love 
start, an, a, an interesting man in his life again, after Stanford, who is still randomly going around the world without any communication, it's time for Anthony to move on as well. Carrie might be moving into the someone she knew in the past, but Anthony's moving into maybe moving into somebody new. And so we got this crazy idea that he would need a hot fella to go on the Drew Barrymore show. And <laughs> it had to be somebody sweet who wasn't, you know, porn-like because of Drew's joyous audience. And so Charlotte finds this guy writing card stories. And I just sent you a picture of a girl in... Strawberry Fields poems for a dollar. Yes. I mean, it's they're it's, all yes. over <clears throat> at farmers market. Yes. There's sure in Chelsea yeah, market, and so we're like, if we see it, then we're like, that's we legit. Yes. Somebody writing a poem with an oldie timey typewriter is cool. So she asked him to to do this one appearance on the Drew Barrymore show, and Anthony has never seen him in the hot fellas uniform until a moment before they go on. He's thrown. Drew is thrown. <laughs> and we Charlotte say, and Richard we, Burton are thrown. We yeah. got very <laughs> lucky that Drew Barrymore happens to be a huge fan. She's a very big fan of it, just like that. Yes. Sex Can we, uh, I that was a that was a shoot that I couldn't be at. So I'm curious. Do you want to share any of your yeah, in person experiences? I mean, with I mean, Drew was like, first of all, she is a super fan and really happy to talk about it and ask questions. And at one point, she we were shooting at her studio with her crew and Rod. I was directing and we were all there and it was working on, she said, can I just say one thing? And everybody looked at her and she said, maybe Burger had it right. <laughs> if you're going to break up with someone, oh just God, say, so I'm nice. sorry, I can't, don't hate me. Don't it. drag them through weeks of indecision. And she right. was like, I that- just want to say, as painful as it was, <laughs> Point, Maybe burger was an emoji. Yeah. As a burger apologist. That's and then we went as far as to say there should be a post-it emoji that says, I'm sorry, I can't, <laughs> don't really hate me, funny. that people could just That's send. That's a smart thing. You know, but she was great and so much fun and a delight to be around and authentic. And once again, it's like the real thing. Every now and then when we say Gucci, we're at Gucci. Every now and then when we say we're at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens, we're at the Brooklyn. And every now and then when you say the queen of daytime television, it's Drew Barrymore and you get Drew Barrymore. And that was really great. But what it really sets up for us is the idea that there's a new person, a new obstacle in Anthony's life, which is he has to get this guy to stay or else it'll be false advertising for what just happened on TV. And create this great foil for Anthony and put this person in his orbit that he's never, it's the kind of guy we haven't seen him with. Yeah, so orbit to Corbett. (laughs) Let's finally talk about the introduction of Aiden again. You already talked about the fact that it was it was a meet confused, and uh, there was more to that very first scene in the writing of them sitting down at the table. It was more kind of really cute, casual, funny chit chat. But when I saw Carrie and Aiden embrace on the street, that communication went so far past. Mm. Niceties, yeah. That when I then saw the scene that Samantha had written in, it was like just, you know, eight lines before they get to this. I was just like, that feels like we're past that. And then I thought Mm -hmm. when I was in the editing room, which is I'm a writer editor, which is good because I always protect the writing. 
But the reality is um, when you're seeing somebody after you've had a tragedy, I, I actually thought the first thing someone I would say is right off the bat, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it felt like. Even with you, the baggage. Even with the baggage, the you would still would go through. like. Yeah. The first thing would be, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I just thought, well, let's start there. Yeah. And there's one joke before it, which is great. I, I gained 40 pounds. Right. Break the I lost ice. 40 pounds since I sent that email, which is great. And <laughs> the reality is. I thought that they should get right to it. And Carrie and Aiden seeing each other is so complicated and yet sweet. And Sarah Jessica and John seeing each other is uncomplicated and... Giddy. And Um. sweet. (laughs) Like, ooh, a playmate. Oh, you know, and the way she falls into him. My old friend. What Mm -hmm. I was surprised by, and this is having been there on set, in watching... The cut was that, yes, you saw they have that decades-old comfort level with each other. Now, this was another thought that I know, Michael, you had along with, I think, your first impulse of even bringing Aiden back, which was that he would not set foot in that apartment again, Um, which— I love that so much. Just the concept that on first information, he would not go in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what a perfect, it's like they got through the, the restaurant confusion, they got through the booth, and then to suddenly discover, oh, it's not that simple. It's they're not in the present. They're the in fantasy. the present. Now right. they're in It was the all going too easily. And for him to basically say the thing out loud, the elephant in the room, which is everything that went down in that apartment. He can't live it. I just can't do it. I, no matter how much I want to, I can't go in there again with all that. I'm never going in there again. I thought it felt too easy too. I understand. I do. I guess time doesn't heal everything. No matter how much you want it to. He can't live it again. And uh, I'll tell you another really interesting, I think, thing between actors and writers when you have a history and you know somebody's taste level and you believe them. There's a thing in this original script where they were immediately making out in the cab and we were inside the cab with them and that's why Aiden didn't know where they Mm. were because it was very important to me from a story point of view because I'm like well why wouldn't he see them turning down Perry Street and or wherever Carrie lives 73rd Street Perry Street is where we film 73rd Street when they turn down Carrie Street why wouldn't he just go wait what's going on here so I thought well they have to be kissing Corbett said to me why are we kissing? Yeah. It's true Save it. Yeah. Save it for the end. He's right. And I was like, well, what? And, and he, <laughs> and, and he, I said, well, how would you know? He said, I'm, I'm not thinking about it. I just get out of that car in, and I see it right in front of the yeah. audience. Why tell mm-hmm, them anything? Mm-hmm. And, and then in true John speak, he goes, save that kiss for the end. 
Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's a big Hollywood ending. Save that kiss for the end. So then we go into the script and we cut the cab scene and then they get out and John is saying something about slap open some beers as he's getting out of the cab, which is just an improv. Like I could slap some out and you hear Sarah Jessica or Carrie laughing. You don't, it doesn't matter what they're saying, but what you're getting is, oh, he's not focused on where they are. Right. He's just having a good time. Right. So that he gets out and then he sees it and it all goes away. And on the flip side of me listening to John, thinking that's a good idea, John was like a dog with a bone about one Mm. line. He didn't want to say, I'm going to go. Shit, I can't do this. I'm going to go. He said, I would be further past that. And I said, he said, I'm an adult. I would be further past that. And I said to him, I literally, we had conversations. I said, well, like, part of you is an adult. Right. And part of you is a child screaming in pain that you don't want to go into that house. And you've got to find a way to do both. And then on the night, he made peace with the line but the night we were shooting, he did yeah. not want to turn and walk away and then come back. And that's when I said, and, you've got to walk away uh, for the same reason yes. we're giving them the Hollywood kiss at the end. You've got to walk away so they think, so we can Shh. see Carrie, who has, by the way, has accepted this reality. Right. And that's mm-hmm. very important. Right. She says it was, I knew it was too. Good mm-hmm. to be true. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what's really, really important in that stoop scene is they are in agreement it's just disappointing. He's not saying you did this, and she's not and saying she knows, oh, I did. Or I'm she bad. can't. She knows she can't argue. Well, she believes. Yeah. Him. What are you gonna say? Right. Yeah. I mean, right. No, you must come back to this apartment right. where I dumped you and walk on your old <laughs> where floor. Twice. Pain <laughs> once. Yeah. But, but the bigger thought is, <laughs> they say in the restaurant they're on the same page. When they talk about, I thought you were going to dump me. I thought you Mm -hmm. you were going to stone me up. I thought you stoned me up. And here, even in this discomfort, and it's very important for what we wanted to do, is that they be on the same page about how complicated this is. And they were both sort of surprised that it was not going to be as easy as they pretended in their heads. They've both had big lives, and they're not the same two people even though they look exactly the same to each other. Mm-hmm. There's, and they say that. It's just life comes in and alters you inside. And so she understands him and he understands him, which is maybe something he didn't on the series. The most important thing to say is that when it works, characters on the series affect each other and change the trajectory of the other characters. And every now and then, if you're very bold and very ballsy, you bring a character in that's beloved and see what else you can do with them. And that's what we attempted to do with Aiden's return in In Just Like That. And how that goes, you'll have to find out in the next episode. And just like that, 
This is the end of episode seven, February 14th, written by Samantha Irby. Thanks, Samantha, for being here. And thanks, Julie and Elisa, for being here. We'll be back next week to unpack episode eight of the series, 100 Years Ago. Stream new episodes of In Just Like That, Thursdays on Max, and listen to this podcast on Max or wherever you listen to podcasts. And just like that, The Writer's Room is produced by Neon Hum Media for Max. At Neon Hum, Shara Morris is the executive producer. Joanna Clay is the lead producer. Sammy Allison is our head of production. Zoe Culkin is our associate producer. Sam Baer is our engineer. That's it for the show. Thank you for listening. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.